deep in London's beating heart lies a wall A locked door it be if you know the call For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin. Hello everyone and welcome to the Shriekcast This is a Harry Potter, okay I have to be very oh, quiet no. now Oh, well, what's my, happening? Mike, I just realized I turned my head and noticed that my cat is asleep. Oh, so this is this is an ASMR podcast now. Hello. This is Shrieking Shack, a Harry Potter podcast for lapsed fans. I'm your host, CC. And I'm Liz. And Liz Okay, okay, she got up. She's awake now. <laughs> sorry, sorry, go go. She she doesn't like ASMR. No, she's not a fan of that. Yeah, this is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host, CC, blah, blah, blah. We're doing this in the normal voice now, I guess. I don't know why I started there, picking it back up again. I guess it's probably <laughs> because I'm just so excited about some damn shoes. Oh, some shoes, you say? Some shoes, yes. Those of you who've been listening to the bonus episodes might know that we we kind of have shoes on the brain now, thanks to one Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I guess this this has willed some news into the universe. I'm starting to think that we might be like some sort of dark catalyst for Harry yeah. Potter happenings. Yeah, it's a lot of responsibility. It is a lot of responsibility. and But the problem is, like, we can't will good things into the universe. Like, remember when, you know, we thought like, hey, maybe Crimes of Grindelwald will be good. That didn't happen. Did we say that? we i think right before the movie and maybe this was just because we had been talking about it for so long but we were kind we were kind of like at least i was kind of like you know maybe this will be fine like it'll be a total sure out of 10. yeah uh, but uh but this time we've willed something very specific into existence which is harry potter vans uh this is from the week here uh the harry potter merchandise Oh, okay. I'm so I was agonizing over what article to pick to read on air. Sure, yeah. But for this, because it's not like we don't know what the shoes look like yet, right? Um, other than like, there's one picture of some of them now. Uh, but I was like, okay, I need to find one with some, maybe some juicy content. And this one that I did pick, which is from the Week magazine, uh, just has a typo right in the beginning here. Ooh. The Harry Potter merchandise has been booming ever since November 2001. Mm, yeah. Probably just take that the out of there. Uh, the franchise's first film, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, set in motion Pottermania with no end in sight. Fast forward to 2019, one can pop, pop into Sainsbury's or W.H. Mm. Smith and pick up the Harry Potter egg cup and toast cutter set. I love to pick up the Harry Potter egg cup. Uh, yeah, I, I would probably get a Harry Potter egg cup. I feel like there's not a whole lot of um, Harry Potter merch that I would see in a store and purchase, but egg cup might be might be weird enough that that might get me. So what's your list? You have uh, 10 inch Dobby. Uh, 10 inch Dobby, uh, Harry Potter egg cup. Um, Snape Nendoroid. Yes, 100%. I will be buying that. That's yeah, that 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 one's, I my, that one's my, I'm my own worst enemy for sure. <laughs> Uh, people can't seem to get enough and a recent tweet posted by Vans an American manufacturing company of skateboarding shoes and related apparel uh, has the ever so loyal Potterheads on their feet waiting for the new shoes to be up for grabs so Vans, Vans is making Harry Potter Vans the image that we have here very I don't think this is real I think I think I might have picked maybe the worst article I could have 
Are they just doing some speculation of what Harry Potter vans might look like? I think they just went on Google image search and did Harry Potter vans because these look like things that you would buy on Etsy. I don't Mm. think that the... Hold on. Let's let's just do some live research. I I mean, I believe believe that you can order custom vans and they'll print your design on their shoes. Maybe Harry Potter vans slip through the cracks sometimes. <laughs> yeah, these 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 things pictured in the Week magazine are definitely not the Harry Potter vans. Uh, because if I go to the Harry Potter vans website, which they have set up, that has, by the way, just a horrible ripple effect that follows your mouse everywhere. That I just it, it hurts my eyes for it's sure. It's just like this bad. one landing page and it's awful. But the, yeah, that is still the same as it was yesterday. There are no shoes. You're still asked to like just sign up for for news, but there's no no actual shoes yet. I love so, to sign up for shoe news. I love to sign up for shoe news and good job me for for doing such a thorough job vetting which article to read for the news segment <laughs> of this article or of this episode just cuz boy boy howdy i i I could not i could not have picked a a worse one yeah Um, so you're gonna are you gonna pick up some uh harry potter vans um i will say i do like vans as just like a sure uh, as like a shoe to slip on if i'm just like walking to like the corner store yeah why not yeah i think Um, they're pretty cute yeah i i'll wait and see i'm not anti-vans uh i'll Maybe, maybe if they, if, you know, if they have like a, a pair of vans with like a nice picture of Dobby on them, if I get some oh like Oh my black... God, I didn't even consider that. I was just going to like do a dunk where I'm like, oh, are you saying that you might buy Harry Potter vans, but then you, you come out with this like best case scenario <laughs> of, uh-huh. of, of Harry Potter vans that I would have to purchase. And that I... ends up on my list. It's like a 10 inch Dobby, Harry Potter egg cup, uh, Snape Nendroid, um, and dobby vans okay can i pitch a shoe to you sure okay imagine uh-huh. black and white vans mm-hmm. and they are split down the middle <laughs> of that picture of harry holding <laughs> dead dobby and it's harry on one shoe and dead dobby on the other shoe uh, can i just get dead dobby on both shoes <laughs> just just really hammer it home i'm sad about dead dobby just oh my just god look. what if on one of it it's like the still of dobby right he's having his dying breath he's saying mm-hmm. whatever he says that i can't really remember he's uh, a free elf yeah i'm a free elf whatever his like eyes are like partially open so that's on one shoe and then the other one his eyes are closed he has passed <laughs> oh fuck there's so many possibilities here what if what if he's dead Mm. on the normal shoe but it's like it's one of those like it's one of like the more complex vans so instead of like just like normal slip-on shoes Mm -hmm. it's like they're more robust skate shoe type thing and it's normally it's dobby with his eyes closed but Uh if you pull the tongue of the shoe up it like opens his eyes and he's oh i love that yeah kind of interactive no one's ever truly gone interactive shoes um what if it's like very very cool um i guess i'm picturing kind of like death note art style dobby but he's like an angel okay here you you you've what i want 100 percent, hands down i would pay a hundred dollars for these shoes (laughs) <laughs> I want shoes that have anime Dobby on one shoe and anime creature on the other shoe. Beautiful. That's what beautiful. I, want. I love that. 
So that's that's that. I that's certainly I'm, those are going to be all the options. Like they're going to roll it out. They're like these. This is our line, our line of our line of Dobby shoes. Yeah, I mean, we don't. It could be anything. We don't know at this point. Um, we just know that it is not these fake shoes from Etsy included in this article from the week. The reactions to this. So you you know you you mentioned that you 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 had a dunk in the chamber ready to go for me until yeah, I, until I yeah. changed your mind with my Dobby <laughs> shoe pitch um but uh so don't worry someone else uh beat you to to this weird punch mm, sure uh, with this headline that sounds like it's from 2005 but it's from 2019 do not buy the harry potter vans collection you virgins from oh that's vi- so funny that's so it's really really funny and cool that's so funny vice vice is such a funny publication um <laughs> Yeah, that was a, a a weird a weird one there, but uh, you know what? I think I I I probably won't I probably won't buy Vans, but if I you know if there's Dobby ones, why not? Where would you wear your Dobby Vans though? <laughs> uh, like I said, I you know if I'm just going for a walk around the park or like to the store, mm. I'd wear my Dobby Vans. Um. To our maybe to play shows. maybe uh to play the hit new uh mobile game you might put oh, on your dobby van completely decked out yeah we can, right. we can put on our dobby vans walk around the park and catch grindy lows and 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 save harry from getting sucked off by dementors right. yeah we can be completely decked out that's a great idea uniform this might be this might be like a a fun kind of local advertising campaign where we could do we could get little business cards put on our Dobby vans uh, and uh, and spread the word. Um, I have to say that my initial reaction to them announcing Harry Potter vans was confusion, assuming that they have already done this. Right? It has been yeah. many, it has been many years. I uh, I feel like vans licenses. Uh, or, or rather, like makes licensed shoes. I know they did maybe Captain Marvel recently for the movie. So it's very weird to me that they haven't done this already. It's an odd one for sure. I I read this headline when I like first saw. It, I thought that I had like accidentally scrolled too far back and was reading headlines from like the mid two thousands. Like that when would the be movies a long scroll, out. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it happens sometimes, though. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll like be reading. I'll be like, "Oh my god, J.K. Rowling said what? Oh, ten years ago. Okay." Um, uh, but uh, yeah, like, I would have expected this kind of thing to have been like the height of, uh, uh, uh fucking like the movie mania or something. Yeah. Um. I also, I guess, in it coming out in twenty nineteen. Um, I would almost expect them to try to push something that isn't the Hogwarts houses, which I guess we don't know that that's not the case. We haven't seen the shoes. We don't know their designs, but their landing page is like divided into quadrants that are clearly the Hogwarts houses. houses, It's it's like color coded and you can kind of see the animal in the background. Uh, So I would have to assume that they're doing doing that I, i'm, I'm the, the, a little it'll bit it'll just be those four yeah yeah don't you think yeah that's probably i mean like that's all that kind of like ties in with like the classic vans look too mm-hmm. um you know like the checkerboard design so they, those aren't those are, honestly aren't like the worst designs like 
No. I like I kind of like those. Um, do you think that they will make a special shoe that has like a screen on it with that horrible ripple effect? Uh, I can only hope. It makes me really dizzy. Uh, <laughs> just imagine, imagine looking at these beautiful shoes, uh, you know, with, with, with Dobby's beautiful death scene on them. Mm. Uh, and then you take a step forward and the whole shoe ripples <laughs> like, a, like a pool of water. Beautiful. That's a very high tech shoe. Yeah, Magical. well, spare no expense, I say, for, for Dobby. Sure. Is there any Let's... other kind of vans that you would like that aren't Dobby? Like like br- like from Harry Potter vans? Right, yeah. Um, let me think. What, uh, I was about to say, like, Snape vans, but that would just be, like, all black vans, which I'm pretty sure exist, right? Um... Yeah. Yeah, it could have Snape's face on them, though. <laughs> that if okay can i get what i want is the uh those awful um r.i.p alan rickman shirt designs (laughs) but on shoes if i could get a pair of vans that on each foot has that like silhouette of alan rickman i was uh, so close to buying that shirt over easter weekend they they advertised a like 30 percent off everything easter sale and I was I was honestly so close. The shirt is so funny. The silhouette. The there are two options. You can either just have it say R.I.P., which I don't know if it is referring to Snape the character, Alan Rickman the actor, maybe or both. both. Yeah, I maybe think both. It ha- it has to be both though because the other one that you can choose from just says I miss Alan Rickman, but it's a silhouette of Snape. No one, no one it knows what so, actors are. It is so baffling. But yeah, I was really close with the thirty percent off. But I really didn't want to support it. Right. That's all. Like I, I really didn't want ironic to. Purchase, our ironic purchases are such a, a such a land 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 field minefield for that kind of thing. Because you're like, I don't. Am I just giving them the money? Am I just playing into this by buying this dumb thing? But if. I I'm confident that one day that store will be just having like a going out of business sale and we can we can snap up some funny ones for like yeah, I hope so most of the money off or something because some of those are just so fucking hilarious. Uh, we have one more piece of news here. This is just a little one, but uh, I think it's pretty cute. Um, this is uh, about some creatures. We finally have a like movie universe design for the blast ended scroots. It's cute. It is cute. I really like it. Yeah, it's like a fuzzy... It looks like a bumblebee crossed with a salamander, almost. It's like... It's got. It's big and fuzzy and round, and then it just has like a big, like, leathery tail on it, and it's, it's <laughs> kind of cute. Uh, I keep being very surprised that they, they are taking kind of cues or like artistic direction from some of the older video games because i believe this is at at least like kind of inspired by the scroots that were in the goblet of fire game a little bit but i think those had faces and Mm. like six legs and the this doesn't really have a face that i can see it's like a it's just kind of like an orb almost with four (sighs) legs it's very yeah i like it it's it's almost too cute because they're described as like so disgusting. Like I have always I don't know what you've imagined in the past. I've I've always pictured the scroots as like earwigs, basically like giant earwigs. Oh yeah, yeah, that is about what I, I was gonna say. I picture them kind of like a uh, scorpion without that's like 
nude color and yeah with that with like kind of grotesque looking and i guess that's similar to like an earwig and that horrible yeah. thing that earwigs do where they push their butt up and it's awful yeah Ugh. Ugh. Ooh, i, I hate, hate earwigs Ugh. yeah that's bad that's bad news but yeah no this is this is this is cute i think it's i think i want to see one of these little guys in action i want to see him blast uh he's got like a little glowing orb at the back of his orb and, and um, why did they make this this is for the ride at universal the uh, the forest hagrid ha- okay, one that tom on felton it's, told us about it is hagrid's magical creatures motorbike adventure at the wizarding world of harry potter right it's so weird that i couldn't remember that <laughs> couldn't yeah. couldn't quite uh come up with it that rolls name. right off the tongue it's mm-hmm. cute i i'm excited to see it in action on video because it's it's an animatronic apparently oh nice like, that's yeah, cool so it's, it's like a cute little thing that's going to be running around the ride um so i hope that instead of seeing pictures of the uh, like same picture of hogwarts everyone posts they can't stop that's all they're ever going to post pictures of post a video of the scroot i want to see the scroot i assume there's more to see at the theme park other than that picture of gringotts it's supposed to be huge i'm pretty sure like it's like a town that they built yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of medium about theme parks in general um definitely do not begrudge people that like them a lot but i'm i'm mostly pretty pretty lukewarm i'll say <laughs> yeah it's it's just a, it's just a big gift shop all these things are big gift shops but uh i think the scroot is cute the scroot yeah. is cute it is do we see we see a scroot in this week's reading don't we or we just hear about one. I think we just maybe hear about one. Do you want to hear about the scroots? I do want to hear about the scroots. Shall we? Let's do it. Let's let's get to our reading and let's let's hear about those little those, those little scroots. Sounds good. Although I did not put them in my summary, so I guess we won't hear about them. I'll at just all. imagine them. Okay, just imagine um, that there's a scroot. It just kind of passively in the scene that I'm describing, but it does nothing and and kind of interacts with no one. Um, This is uh, chapter 15. It's called The Hogwarts High Inquisitor. Last week, when Percy sent the letter to Ron congratulating him for being a prefect, uh, he also said to keep an eye on the paper the next morning. Uh, So with that tip, uh, we do find the big announcement that's in the Daily Prophet um, at breakfast. And the announcement is uh, that Umbridge has been made the Hogwarts High Inquisitor, which is a new position um, that stated goal is to short up, shore up some of the failing standards at Hogwarts and conduct inspections uh, or inquisitions, if you will, uh, of the other Hogwarts teachers um, to try to, to basically extend the ministry's influence at Hogwarts and just kind of get everyone back in line. We also find out that there are two members of the Wizengamot that resigned at this announcement, saying that the minister was overstepping his power at Hogwarts. It is also revealed uh, that the reason that Umbridge was hired in the first place is because of an educational decree that that Fudge uh, instated over the summer that said that if Dumbledore couldn't find a suitable candidate for a position at Hogwarts, that it is the Minister of Magic's right to to put someone in that position. And so Dumbledore couldn't find anyone to take the Defense Against the Dark Arts job, Fudge and stayed at Umbridge. 
we get some classes in Snape's class. Uh, Harry gets a D on his homework, um, a D for dreadful, I believe. Uh, but he does okay in the current assignment. That class, he's kind of resolving to to try a little bit harder uh, because he's embarrassed about his bad grade and, and things just really haven't been going very well uh, after the first week of class. We go to Trelawney's class after that, uh, and this is our first one where we are seeing an inspection that Umbridge is conducting, uh, and it's not going very well, uh, and Trelawney is like really flustered and not, not really dealing with it. Uh, and at the very end, Umbridge approaches her and basically demands that Trelawney does do a prediction for her to kind of prove that she's she's qualified. And Trelawney uh, gets really offended and says, well, you can't really do that on demand. Uh, we do get a Defense Against the Dark Arts class. Uh, and we have a little an, another kind of similar run in between Hermione and Umbridge where uh, Umbridge kind of sits them down and says, OK, we're, we're going to be reading the next chapter. And Hermione raises her hand and says, you know, I've already read it. Umbridge says, OK, then read the next chapter. And she says, no, I've read the whole book, uh, but I have some questions about it. Um, the author of the book says that that counter jinxes uh, are bad and I disagree. And Umbridge kind of shuts her down and says, you know, I. Uh, your opinion doesn't matter here. We're learning this. You don't know better than, than the author. Um, and she takes points off from Hermione and kind of goes on like a weird rant about their other defense teachers, uh, where she says that the only competent one uh, was Quirrell. And then Harry kind of just can't, can't contain himself anymore and says, uh, yeah, Quirrell was good, except for he had Voldemort on the back of his head um, and Umbridge uh, takes that opportunity to give Harry another week's week's uh, worth of a detentions. Uh, Angelina later yells at Harry for having to miss Quidditch practice again. Um, and McGonagall also is around. I believe it's at like a meal or something. And McGonagall uh, hears that that Harry has has kind of stepped in it with Umbridge again and and takes some some points uh, and reminds Harry not to not to mess with her. Harry is getting the the blood quill punishment again, which ends up just kind of being the backdrop for the rest of the chapter. Um, we get another class, and it's McGonagall's class, um, and she is uh, getting an inspection from Umbridge. Um, however, she is uh, very poised. She doesn't take any shit and uh, kind of shuts Umbridge down at, at every opportunity and uh, is is very good. Uh, it's care of magical creatures. Umbridge kind of tries to sway Professor Grubbly Plank, who is do, who is still substituting um, to kind of be on her side, um, and is mostly um, complimentary of her teaching until Professor Grubbly Plank comes down hard and says, "No, I support Dumbledore." That's that. Uh, we also hear uh, Draco and and some of the Slytherins kind of jump in to try to kind of shit talk Hagrid saying uh, Draco tells the story of being injured by Buckbeak again to Umbridge uh, later Hermione, Ron, and Harry are all in the common room and Hermione and Ron approach Harry I believe this is like the end of the week I would say this chapter is I think is supposed to be about a week's time uh, and they approach Harry um, and they have some medicine uh, that they give him to soak his hand in and that's injured from detentions. And they come to him with the idea that since Umbridge is not going to teach them how to defend themselves against evil, I guess, um, that it would be cool if Harry started 
like an extracurricular club where he teaches other students how to defend themselves and how to do defense against the dark arts. Harry gets really pissed off and says they don't understand. They don't know what it's like. It's not a game. Uh, this is real life. You know, you don't know what it's like to think that you're about to die. Uh, and Hermione just says, uh, Hermione's upset that Harry is mad, but also says, yeah, but that's why we need you to teach us. Cause you know what it's really like out there. Uh, Harry agrees to think about it. And that's the end of the chapter. Oh God. I need to restrain myself from talking about the end of this chapter. No, I know. Right? Until we get to the end, because it's fucking bonkers. I tried very hard to um, keep this as objective as possible. This is a weird chapter. I know I say that a lot, but this <laughs> one has such a uh, strong swing. I love the the stupid Hogwarts inspection stuff. It is it is peak comedy. Uh, I love. <laughs> I love the differences the uh, in uh, in the way that Umbridge reacts to all the different teachers. It brings out some really great character moments for a lot of those teachers. But there's such weird stuff. So one, it is so fucking funny to me that in this book that is now, this is the, the gritty, serious, real Harry <laughs> Potter. This uh-huh. is real fucking espionage shit now. Hell yeah. Uh, is is the, the biggest conspiracy... Uh, and piece of intrigue in this is uh, a very long newspaper article that is basically a villain speech like yeah it just outline it is it is such a comically evil article like it is it basically just outlines the ministry and like fudge's entire plan here right like it's it's just it's just way too on the nose. There's no mystery here. There's no intrigue. It's, it's just It's so funny that it's in the paper. Yeah. Honestly. It's right, like you think like this would be like a secret memo that like Harry found while he was at the ministry or something. But no, like this is a newspaper article that's just like, yeah, uh here's here's exactly the details of Fudge's evil plan it's 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 very silly and hard to take seriously in this book that is otherwise trying to be you know very very grim and serious also this is a just this is just a me thing i this isn't even like just a jk rowling thing here's here's just like a fantasy thing that i i have a problem with we've got to get people to look up what inquisitors are and what the inquisition was (laughs) thinking about this a lot um i think that it goes without saying that inquisitor is a bit of a loaded a loaded term here very loaded um Uh, i feel i feel in my heart of hearts that it is that 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 wording is purely there to make it sound scary right like it's evil sounding and that's okay it is very funny to me to use that in a magic school well it's it, i i think for me purely it is it is it just highlights how weird the uh like the tone is in this chapter because i think if it really was just kind of leaning into like the more obvious cartoon evil aspect of umbridge and the ministry and stuff here like like a lot of the inspections and stuff in the classes does it would be fine like of course 
of course she's evil and of course she's the inquisitor right like it, it, it'd just be like part of the joke yeah um but but because we're also supposed to be like i'm supposed to be feigning interest in this mystery and and like political intrigue here it it just it's tipping its hand a little bit you know it's a uh, lot <laughs> it's a lot but this is like this is just a me thing just because like i'm very you know i'm very interested in like medieval and renaissance history inquisition is a very loaded term it keeps on popping up in a lot of like video games and novels and stuff i'm just like you didn't look up what the inquisition was did you like i mean i think that jk rowling is a bit of a history buff yeah so i guess in the, in this particular case it's more of just a, like a um an interest a weird choice i would say a, lo- a loaded choice it's, it's it's maybe at odds with the tone this is going for a lot of the way that i think about it is that i mean we've talked about this kind of extensively for for other things and this feels like a very children's book thing in a in a uh i don't want to say an adult book i don't know if this is this kind of approaches more like ya um mm-hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't make that jump like that like this the inquisitor doing like evil classroom inspections in like a cartoon evil way to me belongs in uh chamber of secrets era yes, harry completely. potter absolutely and i i'm like i like I, I really do like this setup and like this this chapter's premise it's just so weird that it's here in the middle of this brooding more serious political story you know um I, I I do really really like the actual classroom inspections. Uh, I I feel for Trelawney here, um, and and I do like that like Harry and Ron are, are you know are on record as like not enjoying divination class, but it's I do appreciate that like Umbridge is so horrible that she sort of gets uh, Ron and Harry on her side uh, against Umbridge. Like like Harry's like well. Like I, I don't like Trelawney, but I, I would not wish Umbridge on her. It's a cute little, little scene. Yeah, I really like the Trelawney scene. Um, although I do have a question about it for you, and it's that, mm-hmm. um, when we, I, I guess when we were reading Prisoner of Azkaban, um, I think, uh, both of us were kind of uh, happy with how ambiguous Trelawney's powers were. Yes. As as some and like divination as a whole was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I thought that I had been like looking back unfavorably and maybe had misremembered some things, mm-hmm. uh, but felt a little bit vindicated. There's a line in this where, where Harry is feeling bad for Trelawney because, you know, she, he, he hates Umbridge more than he hates Trelawney. Um, but there is a part where it says Harry and Ron knew that she was a fraud. Right. It just comes out and says that. And like, I, I'm I'm a little torn about it and I'm wondering what you think because on the one hand I'm like okay this still is being told from Harry's perspective so even if he knows that she's a fraud doesn't necessarily mean she's a fraud but it still reads like the text yeah. is trying to tell me that that's what I'm supposed to be thinking and then I will also couple that with with the idea that um yeah Ron would know or think that Trelawney is a fraud Harry is one of the only people that has seen Trelawney make a real prediction. That's yes. That's okay. So that's the thing that makes this so weird to me is I, I don't mind the line, the specific line, Harry and Ron always knew she was a fraud. Cause like, that's from their perspective, right? Like, sure. Like that. But I think in conjunction with this weird scene where 
Trelawney sort of lamely gives a fake prediction to Umbridge when she's like asked to give a prediction on command, mm-hmm. uh, which is just sort of played for comedy. And it is, you know, it is it is pretty funny, but it 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 is also at odds with what we know of Trelawney in the last two books, which is that she can make real predictions. Uh, and so it's odd. It's odd to be doing put, be putting these jokes here when they were like the big reveal at the end of Gobbled of Fire was that she did like an honest to God prophecy like at Harry. Um, yeah. I'm surprised he has a he did he I, I did he even bring that up in this chapter? No, and that's why I wanted to talk about it because it uh, this was my uh, retrospective like impression of Trelawney. Like I thought that the books mm-hmm. just treated her as some as some big joke that you are just supposed to be like, oh yeah, it's all fake. She's yeah, she's a scam artist, right? And then I was like, oh maybe that's not true. And I, and then I get to this, and it seems very strongly that that's what the book wants me to think about her and it was just weird which is weird especially in a scene where i think i'm supposed to be sympathizing with her like like i think that the scene where she's kind of put you know flat-footed and and like has to make up a a bad prediction is funny Mm -hmm. like like i i do like trelawney as sort of a bumble like there's there's this vision of trelawney as a character that i really really enjoy which is that she does truly have like divination powers right and Uh like has a skill in this but is also very caught up in the theatrics of it Mm -hmm. uh and has sort of let that overtake her real talent like i like that aspect of her character a lot um but here it just feels a little muddled i guess because we harry not not just we harry the character has seen her give a real one and still is just con- treating her like a complete fraud where it's like it, he, surely he should grasp that nuance now that there's something else going on with her i just found that very strange because that was like a pivotal moment in the last book i also am wondering if this is trying to make a very black and white division between Trelawney making an honest to God prophecy that is 100% true and real versus what she does when she's interpreting dreams, reading star charts, like reading palms, all that. Like, is it trying to tell me that that is all fake? Because I think that like, I had a lot more of a kind of nuanced reading of it in prisoner of Azkaban with that stuff, especially because all of those predictions that she was making were technically correct like right she was interpreting them poorly maybe because yes. she was like oh this is a grim but i thought that she was seeing a dog yeah 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 no that i i agree like like part of what was so fun about prisoner of azkaban and that with that stuff was what was how how ridiculous her theatrics were and how many times she ended up being right sort of um like you know uh here i i think also the thing that makes this very different than the depictions we've seen in the past is that i i found it very interesting that this highlights the use of like charts and and graphs and stuff Mm -hmm. to like make a hard prediction because i and maybe i'm just remembering this wrong 
but i thought that like part of the reason hermione hated the class so much was because it had no hard data work right like it it was all very loose interpretive stuff and not like a weird chart system yeah leading you to like wrong conclusions or whatever yeah yeah and i guess all that stuff just like makes the scene like i did like a lot of the stuff in here and i really like trelawney as a character but if this book really is trying to take that and just be like oh it's a joke now I just think that's a bummer. It's such a disservice to a really fun character and kind of an interesting aspect of magic that has otherwise become like the magic system is very boring. I think like the divination stuff and the ambiguity and like, like thinking about like your, your feelings in regard to what you're doing. Like, I think that stuff is really fun. So it sucks to see it just be like, haha, it's a joke. It's stupid actually. Yeah. It's, it's a bummer. And like, I, I agree. I've, I've also really, liked it as like it's such a fun contrast to the rest of it because like the the rest of magic in in harry potter is so like obviously it's it's not from like a storytelling world building point of view but like to these characters magic is a very rigid system right like it is Mm -hmm. solved um you know you you are going to school for magic it is not a it's not some grand mystery um and the idea that like divination was this thing that was still very confusing and up in the air and uh and ambiguous was just really fun like the idea that wizards still have mystery in their lives is a cool idea um and and yeah i i think it's a bummer that we i think we are now firmly in trelawney as a joke character territory now though it sucks because that that ambiguity and that that like uh magic being a mystery like brings out a lot of fun things in any character that interacts with it, right? Like mm-hmm. that that brings out a a side of of Hermione that like, you know, is doing magic and is muggle born but can't like deal with a mystery, right? Like she yes. just won't do it. So to have it sidelined feels like such a disservice to like character stuff in this book. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer. Oh, wow. And I I I, I think if I remember right, we eventually get, I, th- I think maybe, maybe even in this book when friends takes over for this class mm-hmm. and shows them like the real shit, I think is kind of like, yeah, I think that does happen. An, an interesting take. So, so I'll, I, I'm, I'm kind of in wait and see mode on this, but I, I, either way, I think it's weird to be casting Trelawney as a fraud now because we know she's not like, we've we've seen her give i think two like full-on real ass predictions now yeah yeah she has two two canon predictions um so yeah uh i think that like in the sum total i'm I'm kind of workshopping this as i'm talking about it but like Mm -hmm. thinking like the inspections thing uh and then having trelawney get replaced by friends uh having hagrid set against professor grubbly plank like there's almost this like skeleton of the story about like non-traditional teachers that never i don't think really uh comes together the grubbly plank inspection is very weird because i i'm so torn on this because it, it is we're supposed to be sympathizing with hagrid uh because because we like hagrid and we want him to have his teaching job 
but grebly plank doesn't suck like grebly plank is like a good teacher and a good character she's just nice like she just seems like a, a nice person yeah. uh, and 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 aside from the fact that i also like haggard as a character there's not really much compelling me in this scene to like empathize with harry's anger at haggard or like like grebly plank like teaching them instead of haggard i guess like no i'm, I'm like honestly i'm like dumbledore should recruit her into order of the phoenix because she seems yeah, a lot more competent seems... and is like also very loyal to dumbledore it's it's very weird i don't i i i, I don't I, like you say like like i there's there is this there is the whisper of a of a take on on teaching methods in this book uh or and, and honestly kind of in this series right because lupin kind of uh uh falls into this category as well of like the like who who are the real teachers who are gonna gonna turn the chair around backwards and sit down on their balls and rap with rap rap with your kids yeah uh, about the real shit um <laughs> Who, what like, teacher is going to show Saving Private Ryan in history class? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's very strange. I And like, there's nothing. Grebly Plank's class just sounds great. She seems nice. She's uh, making sure everyone is going to be uh, equipped for whatever's on the test. She's showing people fun stuff. It's all hands on. Like, like there's literally nothing wrong with Grebly Plank's class. <laughs> Other than the fact that he's not our cool big friend who had a had a cake and sausages in his pocket at the beginning of the first book, like that's that's kind of the only downside. To I think it. I think this might be a Grubbly Plank uh, Stan podcast. Yeah, she sounds awesome. I want to hang out with Professor Grubbly Plank, and like also she's even loyal to Dumbledore. Like cool. like like she cool. She likes the good guy, so there's not even a, a whiff of like conflict there we're gonna find out she's a death eater eventually or something and i'm gonna sound like an idiot i just forgot about it oh, but, probably uh, but but right here i was like yeah she seems good um but it's really it's it's mcgonagall's class that is the star of the show here i think this is one of my favorite scenes in this book period so the, far this is some this is some epic mcgonagall she's so epic it's so here. epic uh it's so much sass um I say that as a joke, but I mean, honestly, it's this true. is this is a this is a scene that you get to cheer for McGonagall. Like, I love her. I love it. I love it. She's so good in this, and I also like I like the angle of it, especially coming off the conversation she has with Angelina and Harry before class, uh, where she's really angry and upset with Harry for pissing Umbridge off again. Is I I like I like that it's. Because I I was feeling conflicted a little bit after one of our episodes where we had been um, dunking about the first detention chapter. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, I hope no one th- listens to this and thinks that my thing with Harry is that he should just shut up and not question authority, right? Because that's absolutely not what I think. Mm-hmm. It's more that I I'm so happy seeing mcgonagall here kind of guiding harry in like how you do deal with like like a a, a dissident you know or like like how like how how you're supposed to deal with being presented with like a a, a, an aggressive pass or i guess more more in umbridge's case like a passive aggressive foe right Mm -hmm. um like and she's it's it's less that like 
because McGonagall's not like blowing up at, at Umbridge. She's waiting for Umbridge to say something and then just sort of deflecting it, right? Like she's just like not even letting her get a foot in the door in the conversation. Right. And I really like that. Like like McGonagall is just like very, very uh collected and confident and not she's you know she's not giving um she's not letting umbridge walk over her at all but she's also not giving in and just giving umbridge what she wants which is a full meltdown right so she can mm-hmm. uh so she can you know fire her or whatever so i i, I like i like this a lot uh, it's sort of like a guiding hand for harry i'm like you know how do you deal with this situation i like her so much in this scene yeah, it's super cool. And I, I really like, um, I, I'm trying to think if we've ever had this before, where we really kind of run the gauntlet of like the different good teachers. Because we kind of we kind of get, I mean, I guess that's because there aren't very many good teachers, but just like between Grubbly Plank and honestly Snape and McGonagall, uh, the school starts to feel like a cohesive place where people learn magic. <laughs> there's almost a sense that this is a community of of, of scholars <laughs> I, and also snape's appearance in this chapter he's not inspected here but you know we still get a a, a scene of him teaching um I, I i i might be giving the book too much credit here i might be giving book snape this far in maybe too much credit but this to me feels like another example of like you know here like like snape is harsh but like he is being a real teacher here he is he grades according to what the test would be and is like okay well you, you got to do better because because if this is what you do on the final at the end of the year it's gonna it's gonna be bad right like, like yeah it, it also this this scene completely demonstrates that his teaching is working considering that uh, that harry internalizes what he says and then just does does the classwork well yeah like it, it demonstrably oh, yeah. works. Yeah, Snape is good at potions and good at teaching potions, and like, I I appreciate that he's just not a cartoon villain uh, again in this in this chapter. He he'll he'll get there, um, but it's 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 nice to see. Um, it it and it, it is provided, on Harry to improve. Yeah, it provided a sense to me that I think is easy to i guess it it did a good job of making me consider that in this world harry is going to this class multiple times per week over the course of a year and most of the classes are probably pretty normal right yeah (laughs) right yeah like not all of them have something outrageous from snape it's just every now and then or something and he's kind of a jerk yeah sure he's a jerk like like i wouldn't say that he's a very personable teacher but like it I, I do like that we are at least seeing I just just like some of my favorite scenes from the first couple books where it's like a lot of Snape's villainy really comes from the fact that we are seeing it through the eyes of Harry who just you know does not like Snape right like mm-hmm. it's all it's a little it's always a little amplified by the character's point of view um can we talk about Umbridge's class before we get to the ending Oh, absolutely. We've we've got we've got stuff uh, to cover it's here. It's so weird because like this, nothing really happens in this. It feels like kind of a retread. Um, but the thing that I want to talk about the most probably is Hermione's discourse with Umbridge about the counter jinxes. Uh-huh. Um, 
this book is so weird at how it like gestures very broadly at at real life conversations i guess <laughs> but doesn't seem to be saying anything and i and i think that that like um this is maybe my favorite example of that when hermione says to umbridge like uh, the author of this book says that counter jinxes are never good, but did they consider that if you're trying to defend yourself, they are good? And Umbridge is just like kind of owned by that. It is. It is a Marine Todd fucking. It is. It is an everyone stood up and clapped moment. It is so. Oh, it's so frustrating. I, I, on the one hand, this is the part that almost, like, like, this is a better version of the conversation everyone had in the last Umbridge class. Um, I like that, like, we get a sample of something that's in the book that Hermione disagrees with and wants to talk to the teacher about. We see very clearly that Umbridge is a bad teacher because she is just basically just, you know, tells the kids to read the book won't answer questions, won't entertain a dialogue, doesn't have any input to to give of her own. She is just there to like supervise basically. Mm-hmm. Like that that stuff works for me. That's like that is especially compared to like all the other examples of teaching we get through this chapter, uh I, I think that's a strong foundation for this scene. But the the, the thing Hermione is picking on is so funny. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't fucking think about this without thinking about like th- Okay, this this is maybe galaxy brain to me. Okay. But the language being used here feels like it was pulled from an argument that JK Rowling had or overheard or like saw on the news or whatever about snipers versus counter snipers, right? Like, like this feels this feels like they are arguing military terminology for some reason. Like, I mean, if what I, Hermione says is even dumber than I remembered, I'm just gonna read it so we can really dig into this. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. this is about the book that they're reading. He says that counter jinxes are improperly named. Said Hermione promptly. He says counter jinx is just a name people give their jinxes when they want to make them sound more acceptable. What? I gotta be honest. I'm kind of with the, with the author here. I like this editorializing from the author, being like, like, the, like, fuck. There's no difference between a jinx and a counter jinx. It's all jinxes, right? Like, you're, j- like, you're jinxing like... them so they don't jinx you. Yeah, I like I like that. I like that the, <laughs> that the that the that the that the. It's it's funny that we're. It's just so confusing because. I'm I'm just trying to construct in my brain what am I supposed like I know I'm supposed to and I and I don't like them but I'm I, uh, you know I know I'm supposed to dislike them I don't I don't like them but I'm also trying to construct the reason as to why I distrust the ministry at Hogwarts and stuff here and like aside from that you know obviously Umbridge is evil but this book that they have is clearly very opinionated so it's not like they're stamping out all opinion at the school also this idea that the that the author is bringing up is uh is is like a is like a, a rallying cry against like 
uh uh you know you know protecting yourself from criticism by naming a spell differently that sure seems like something the government would do like an evil government would do i i i'm kind of rambling here but i'm just it, it it it's what is the what is it that the ministry is endorsing here because it sounds like a fairly outspoken author not not a like not a stooge book like i i, no, I have yeah, a very hard time I, I, I know what you mean I'm, 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 I'm articulating this strangely you know but but it but i i i'm i don't quite understand what the vibe i'm supposed to be getting from the ministry in this book is i think that the re because i do i do agree like it honestly like in trying to parse it or like break down what it's saying it feels kind of confusing and my my only the only thing that I can really take from it is that it is just kind of broad gesturing at stuff that sounds familiar, but is not at all internally consistent. Like when we, we don't know enough about the magic system in this universe to make any kind of informed decision about whether or not this author is correct or not. We right like, so I'm thinking about Durmstrang because that was like the Mm -hmm. evil school. And the reason that it was the evil school is because unlike Hogwarts, the good school, which teaches defense against the dark arts, they teach the dark arts. Um, but that doesn't really mean anything to us, right? Like, cause we don't know what the dark arts are. We don't know if it's like right. a, like a class of spell. Is there some sort of like scientific theory that, that can like determine a spells like true nature? Is there, is there a like identifiable, like supernatural evil that some spells like draw from. And then we also know that other spells are divided into like other different things. We have charms, we have jinxes, apparently we have counter jinxes. But when we're, when we're given this information where it's like, okay, we have a, a book that is saying that no, actually a counter jinx is just a jinx that harkens back to being like, okay, well it's defense against the dark arts, just the dark arts. Like, is that the same language that Germstrang is using? But we don't have enough information to like draw any conclusions about that. And so I, I feel like it is broadly like using language that we are used to hearing in the real world, right? This is very evocative of, of various like real world issues that we have no information on other than what the characters think about them. And that's mm-hmm. all we can use to kind it's of draw super, our conclusions. It's super hard for me to separate it from like guns, right? No, like, it, do- it does feel like that. Like I, I have a very, very strong vibe once we get to this end of the chapter where it's like Hermione's just like, okay, well we need to form our own militia because Umbridge is taking our guns away. It is really difficult for me to separate it from guns, and it makes Hermione say, in 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 a weird, very specific way too, because it 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 makes Hermione seem incredibly reactionary. Because the book itself saying there's no difference between a jinx and a counter jinx; they're just all jinxes. That's not even saying that you can't use a jinx in self defense. It's just saying don't delude yourself into thinking any jinxes are better than other kinds right like like they are all the same they have the same purpose they are attack spells which isn't much different from saying that like look don't don't pretend that it's a you know this is my self-defense weapon i'm like a gun's a gun 
right like 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 please discard all of these defensive reflexive terminologies and and say what these things are right it's so weird that hermione's like again half of this is just because we don't know if there are different classes of jinxes or or not or, or what a jinx even fucking is at this point i mean when 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 moody stood up in front of the fake moody i suppose stood up in front of the class and said okay here are the three spells that are bad in every single situation they're inherently evil you you they are the worst things in the world that you can do the great the great sins hermione didn't raise her hand and say like oh but if they're trying to kill us then shouldn't we be able to avada cadaver them because that's a self-defense unforgivable yeah it's very confusing i uh, i wish that we had picked it i wish that we had gotten a better <laughs> this is such a weird thing to say i wish that the in-universe argument that we had gotten was more easily graspable so i could be on hermione's side here because i like this i i, I like the setup of this scene and i like i like this uh, i i vastly prefer this scene of like dissidents within the classroom um with them questioning the teacher and the teacher not have any answers for them and just shutting them down i like that concept as a scene i just don't understand what the argument they're having is um i'm remembering that article that we found a while ago i don't think we featured it on the show yet but it was that very very long uh why harry potter is a uh, libertarian article that i think um, oh, maybe maybe yes. should, should draw from this scene yeah i'm sure we'll, yeah. Un- we'll uncover that we'll get very horrible curse at some point and I like I I you know this, this all culminates in in a much better Harry arguing with Umbridge scene, which I do like the thing where she invokes Quirrell's name and he's like little problem with that guy. I guess was just that he had Voldemort on his head. Like that was cute. I thought that was a good ending to this. It just kind of stumbles to get there for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I think that when we were talking about this before the show, um you mentioned to me that made it like kind of click into place is that this is a good return to form for Harry's character as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Doing, doing the right thing. Right. Like that, that's just kind of his, his be all end all uh, that like whatever the risk or whatever it takes that he is just going to stand up for what he thinks is right. Yeah. I, I really like that about him. And I like the development of that with the McGonagall scene sort of being a guiding hand for him to like show him how to you know you can still do that without endangering yourself and others probably in this situation Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so that that part i i thought was 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 good you know i'm 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 appreciating harry's drive at the moment but we got to talk about this ending do you appreciate his epic rant i've said epic a lot this episode it's an epic it's episode. Kind of, it's kind of it's kind of an irony poisoning thing I've got going on because uh-huh. I've been watching the Vampire Diaries. Um, Do they say epic a lot? They, yeah, like I, I can't remember like what year the show came out, but whatever year that was, it was when TV writers were writing epic genuinely into their scripts. Oh, you know, no, you know why? I just, I just, I, I've had, I have such a clear vision of this. It's because it came out in two thousand seven, uh-huh. uh, and that was the year that 300 came out and and everything that was, was so that, epic yes that was the that was kind of i think the inflection point for that into the into our lexicon yeah well well unfortunately me saying epic as a joke while revisiting 2007 has now completely <laughs> completely destroyed me and now i'm just saying it with 
with the, I I promise it's a joke. Um, I promise, (laughs) I promise it's a joke when I talk about Harry's epic rant here. It is a pretty epic rant. Um, This whole thing is psycho. I, (laughs) this is, this is so out of character for every single person in the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, This, okay. Number one, this idea that Hermione wants to start a, a a junta is so <laughs> fucking funny to me uh number two the fact that ron is just like yeah you know what harry would be a great teacher uh when most of the time they've been arguing they're just fucking arguing about everything all the goddamn time mm-hmm. number three harry suddenly turning into into john rambo and giving the speech from the end of of first blood is just bonkers i hate it so much i really it's do so weird it is it is did did jk rowling watch rambo the first one the good one before before she wrote this it is so spot on it is it is it is literally only missing the the like the direct quote about like reaching reaching next to you and feeling your friend's face is turned into a pile of goo like it is it is mind-bogglingly stupid he's give he's giving a like fucking like <laughs> he's giving a like p ptsd soldier rant it's so tasteless and stupid it's it is so ridiculous that like this this book series where we know that previously a little girl got kidnapped by a ghost that was in a book <laughs> and nearly got eaten by a snake. And she was fine a day later. She was like, well, you know, I was possessed by it, by a spooky <laughs> ghost, but I'm all better now. That that Harry would then develop real honest to God PTSD because of a because of a snake wizard man coming out of a cauldron. <laughs> It is just such a fucking stretch. I I cannot deal with this. There's so many individual pieces in this scene that are so bonkers and stupid. Um, I think maybe my favorite in just like being dumb is that Harry starts this speech by listing all of the reasons that he's unqualified which I 100% agree with because he hasn't yeah. really done anything before he just talks about how serious he does his like Rambo thing. And then the book just pulls out like, because after that, my conclusion is like, yeah, Harry has, I have no reason to think that Harry's good at defense against the dark arts. There has been nothing in this book that would get even close to me thinking that he has mostly just gotten lucky. It outlines that in the conversation. And then all of a sudden we get just this bomb dropped on us that it's like, yes, he's actually a prodigy and he gets top grades in in his class over the past five years that we literally have never heard before. We never have Harry go like, Oh, I got a good grade on that test. And it was easy. Everyone top marks. You can't do that. Lupin Lupin was so nice. He he his final was an obstacle course. <laughs> I I love Professor Lupin, but I am I I do not consider him uh, like a, a rigorous academic judge to be perfectly frank. He he set up an obstacle course in the yard 
for people to run through. This is the most this the 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 discussion about Harry's grades here is the most like intensely I felt that the book retconned itself. Yeah, Harry has always been f- uh, like a fine student, right? Like he's been okay. Also, the fact that his grades, his own grades, are a surprise to him is very funny as well. <laughs> Hermione has to remind him about his grades, which he, I don't know how she would have seen uh, unless they had already talked about it previously, which would mean that he would know his grades. But also just like the increasing ridiculousness of the things that Harry is listing, like, here's the stuff I've done. I just, I wanted him to go into like more detail about like how funny the older books were compared to like how serious they are now. It's like, you've never, you've never gotten on a broom and flown around a a cloud of keys looking for the right key to get in the door. You've never looked at a giant chess set and told your friend, Hey, you're better at chess than me. You, you do the chess part. You've never had a dumbass professor come up to you and say, I'm going to fix your bones, but he doesn't fix your bones. He takes all your bones away from your arm and you have to go to the hospital wing and drink some juice that makes your bones grow back. And it kind of hurts for a while. You don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to time travel and just sit there in a bush for three hours watching yourself hang out in Hagrid's hut. (laughs) Oh, this scene is so stupid. It's so fucking bad. You can't do this. You can't. There is there is nothing going on in this book that justifies this. And I don't think the book realizes that. Like, like if this was a book about these kids vastly overreacting to having a shitty teacher that would be one thing (laughs) but we know the teacher is genuinely evil it's just that she doesn't really do anything uh i i i just don't get it it's i i can't wait i i will say i i i now am really looking forward to the actual um like order of the phoenix dumbledore's army ass classes <laughs> because i i cannot imagine what the fuck those are those are going to be like if like this is the tone they're going for like harry is like the the grizzled guy who's really been there i cannot wait to see how they try and spin that into into like interesting scenes later on god I'm not looking forward to the DA scenes. I I do agree with you though. There, I have a there is such a funny story here of like uh, Fudge scared of a child army and then kids overreacting and making a and, and making a yeah, child army like it's, it's a comedy of errors. It's it's, it's extremely funny. There's it is okay. We've as as we have in a previous episode thrown off our our are shackles of pretense that we don't want to be like the rewriter critics Mm -hmm. i am gonna rewrite this good uh okay here's the thing how about umbridge comes to the school decides everyone's outing acting out of order and brings in the the dementors because we know that she has control over the dementors because she sent one to harry at the beginning of the book so she brings the dementors to class everyone's depressed everyone is tired of, of walking around the school halls while there's dementors there dumbledore can't do anything because he can't tip his hand to fudge uh so everyone realizes hey wait a minute harry you can you can shoot a patronus out of, <laughs> your, out of your thing and he goes yeah but i'm not really much of a teacher but everyone goes yeah but we need to know how to shoot a patronus out of our wand and he says okay well i guess i'll do that there you go there's how to do this story like yep the, 
I mean, we know he teaches them to do Patronuses anyway. Eventually, yeah. So I don't, I don't know why there couldn't have been a better setup to this conceit here. It's you've never walked around a maze for four <laughs> hours and trying to figure out where the fuck the cup is. You've never, you've never stayed up until two a.m. because you can't figure out how to breathe underwater and had a house elf come to you and, and shove a gross little weed in your pocket and then you have to eat the weed and it tastes like you're eating a bunch of worms but it makes you grow gills you've never you've ne- you don't know what it's like <sighs> harry calm down harry relax that's all i gotta say it's, it's just a bad just... class it is <sighs> i've had a lot of bad classes a lot of bad teachers. Yeah, I've had, I probably have more bad classes than good classes, uh, to be honest. But like, I never, I never formed a, a militia about it. Honestly, get involved in direct action, Harry. How about like, I don't know, start, start protesting the ministry to like overhaul the laws about about teachers or something. Um. Get. To, uh, Speaking of direct action, uh, how do you like um, Hermione's motivation here being drawn directly backward to spew? <sighs> uh, there's a part where Harry says, like, like he he was he was scared to see the same fervor that she got when she was talking about spew or whatever. It's like, oh, fucking, oh, I can't believe Hermione's going to be talking about politics again. Except he's into it this time. Because secretly, deep down, he also wants to form form a militia. What if Hermione formed a militia to free the house elves? Fuck yes! Now <laughs> we're talking. We got like a bunch of a bunch of house elves walking around with with like cool hats and 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 wands. That would be awesome. That would be cool. That's way cooler. That's at least a goal. What's the goal of this? We're gonna form a militia to like do good on our tests. You fucking nerds. I think this has such a very strong vibe to me of um, those like guys on YouTube that try to defend their, like they do like practice drills, like defending their house from like the federal government. Like, Oh, (laughs) like the government's going to come take my gun. So here's my, and they're all like shot in like night vision too. And it's like, here we're running this drill. I guess they're like survivalists, um, like wannabe militia guys. It has that vibe to me particularly because they are forming this um this group with no goals in mind except for if we are attacked right like that's the yes like we are like someone is gonna come into our house and try to murder us and we have to be ready so i think like that is another line that like kind of draws it directly back in my head to like gun defense like gun defense of your home yeah well that's the other thing too is 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 speaking of like rewrite ideas the other thing i don't understand about this is like voldemort is such a non-threat at this point and it's sort of an accident because we've seen the death eaters be pretty scary and we've heard that voldemort can be scary but so far all voldemort has done since coming back is fail to kill a 15 year old he like, did kill a different 16 year old but at this, right. at this he, point he, he's just like kind of more of a mur- murderer, murderer which yeah. is bad that's not good yeah yeah but i don't I, I don't i don't have a fucking grenade launcher in my house to defend me from axe murderers you know like like there 
there's there is a there is a complete lack of any sense of actual threat um in a way that like i'm so i'm so torn about like okay so so uh, speaking of rewrite stuff i i feel like this book needed to open with like some sort of crazy voldemort attack on like another wizard school or something or like the ministry or or something which i know that that would like throw the um is voldemort back or isn't he thing into maybe like my might have thrown that into uh like question but the problem here is that we have harry and hermione know that there is a vague threat out there but we haven't seen it do anything that outrageous the idea that it would attack them at school as we know so far is equally ridiculous um like i don't know like say like at the beginning of this book harry had like read that like oh my god bobatons or durmstrang got got attacked by a mysterious thing and has, has disappeared or like got burned down or whatever no one knows what's going on and harry's like i know that was voldemort so we knew that there was like a threat to the school right like yeah would, i mean it even that would make it seem immediate I, I don't even think that it really um ruins the ministry not knowing that voldemort's back considering that they are, are being willfully ignorant right like there's plenty that a government can do to say like oh it was an independent actor it was you know right i, I mean just like the quidditch world cup thing that was right. blamed not on voldemort being back but just a like crazed one-off right guy um do you think that there is a possibility that in the first drafts or planning of this book that there was going to be an event like that at the beginning because we do get that extended sequence of Harry checking the news and waiting. So so that so this is the thing I I think we will only ever have a a, a good idea to, of or answer to if we ever get some sort of I I so desperately want like more behind the scenes material from these books and like what jk rowling changed over time as she was writing them we do know this book was delayed um and i i this is something we'll get into even more in the third segment but this has such strong post 9-11 vibes um uh this this has like uh like paranoia that some someone is, is like some foreign actor mysterious foreign actor hiding out there somewhere is going to get you um and the scenes where harry is like watching the news waiting for something bad to happen like that is such a relatable thing that like pretty much everyone was doing for a while like in the early 2000s like there that was a real anxiety that everyone had was like like something bad's gonna happen again mm -hmm. um but it hasn't happened in this book and i i almost wonder if that's there's a version of this book that is much more direct about this where we the audience might maybe like truly don't know whether voldemort is back or not and like granted like this would have to have changed goblet of fire as well mm -hmm. um but this idea that like voldemort might be out there and everyone whipping themselves into a frenzy 
in you know into like paranoia and like her even hermione gets swept up in this and like starts a militia at the school <laughs> and so, like there's a version of that that feels like a very salient like cultural critique of like of like you know addressing what what the shift in the 2000s was like culturally within harry potter without addressing it directly right mm-hmm. like sure like that's a that's a a, a potentially quite interesting version of this story but instead we get like this really half formed thing we're like okay we know there's a villain out there he hasn't done anything we have no reason to believe the school is in danger because as has been reiterated over and over and over again in these books the school is like a magic safe zone and dumbledore is super powerful and won't let anything happen to the school right like uh it 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 feels like two completely incongruous pieces of a story competing to say something and because neither of them really fall into place it kind of says nothing yeah i was just thinking i was trying to like kind of think about what voldemort has done other than than murder and and thinking about the kinds of things that dumbledore is doing in his like spy master position and, and like the moves that we are supposedly like supposed to think that that Voldemort is making just creates no tension in a story because it's about um, things that we don't know and haven't seen, right? Like why would the threat of Voldemort going and talking to the giants mean anything to us? Right. Yeah. We don't know the giants. We We have no frame of reference for what that means. Yeah. We don't know. Like we know there were giant wars, but we don't have any, all of the threats are are talked about. We know that Voldemort's looking for a weapon, but we don't know what it is or what it's capable of. We know Voldemort's talking to the giants. We don't know what that, like, what consequences that really has. With I guess, like, I guess giants are big, so they can smash stuff. <laughs> um, we 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 just have no frame of reference for what people are scared of yet aside from harry like like obviously you know on on the other hand like i'm not trying to say voldemort isn't evil or that harry shouldn't be afraid of voldemort like clearly voldemort is a is a very very bad scary villain it's just that like he hasn't he doesn't really do much villainy in this book uh so far uh and it's 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 difficult it's like imagine if in star wars you just never saw the death star you know like like or you heard that there was a death star and it was parked next to alderaan but alderaan never blew up so we never have a reason (laughs) to like like get the death star plans to blow up the death star because it's like well it's just kind of sitting there i guess it could do something but it hasn't it's just kind of i'm waiting for the story to start in some ways like i'm I, like nothing has set this um this like intrigue in motion yet yeah i mean the biggest issue i guess in this uh, or conflict rather and like as is direct and affects harry is umbridge and other like like yeah the, the cutting his hand thing is pretty weird uh and obviously very bad but in the grand scheme of things like what what is she doing other than being a bad teacher? Like nothing is really happening. And like McGonagall is kind of like impervious to her anyway. Yeah, I I don't get it. 
It's a weird I, book. I don't get it. It's a weird book. It feels like it's being pulled in so many different directions. I I just maybe it'll click. Maybe eventually the the like need for a school militia thing will will make sense, but I just don't see it going I, I i think it's too far gone at this point it's 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 hermione's character is like damaged beyond repair for me here because i was like what is why why does she want this for for grades this is so weird I, I mean i think that the story and i could totally be wrong about this but i think we are getting set up uh, like for a story about how they were in over their heads right like yeah uh, like big mistake they fuck up um i am t- i I love those kinds of stories. Honestly, probably, probably some of my favorite stories end up being that. Um, I, I, I mean, I really liked the last Jedi. Um, that was a fuck up story that I think delivered in some ways better than others. Uh, I feel like this isn't going to deliver on that at all. Just a, just a, like, (laughs) just a feeling I have. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just don't, I don't see this reassembling into into anything. And maybe it will. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll limp across the finish line. And I'll be like, okay, I'm glad we got here. But, but right now, I'm just like, where is, where is, where is the inciting incident? Where is the thing that makes it make sense for these characters to be so paranoid about some horrible attack happening to them? I'd like to see uh, more serious, since I know that that is like the the emotional core of this of this novel i know yeah. we are gonna see more of him but i am looking forward to that um also i kind of like this chapter honestly like we we have we have oh, been everything like... up until the end <laughs> yeah it was a fun one i thought yeah i i i anytime anytime we get to spend some time just hanging out with like some of the students and some of the teachers are always like my favorite chapters friend george got a cute scene in this they did they got it. They got to tell a funny joke about pee. Is that what it was about? I don't remember what the joke was, but I remember reading it. And I was like, yeah. "Oh, it's a it's a joke that they're telling that doesn't hurt anyone." That's nice. <laughs> it, no, it, it it was it was because they're talking about the different levels of grades, and and Ron said, "Oh, I only got a pee," and Fred says, "Like nothing wrong with a good healthy pee or something <laughs> like that." See, I uh, laughed. It's cute. Yeah, it was funny. I like I liked them here. Um, I, I liked them. Both mcgonagall umbridge clash i there's a lot to really like here also trelawney time even though we obviously have some conflicted feelings about that but i still appreciate all trelawney content so far um but yeah this this ending is just harry's it's really harry's speech that just sets it apart it comes out of nowhere (laughs) and it's so funny i i know that another big part of this novel is supposed to be the idea that harry is angry uh, because Voldemort is influencing his mind or or he's like a also like his Horcrux thing. So maybe he's he's acting out in a way that he otherwise wouldn't. Mm. I wish that this book would be a little bit more kids book cartoon and really just lean into that. Yeah, there was a very there was it should a, be like it should be like the Spider-Man three thing. He, he should get yeah. he should dye his hair black. He should he should do a little jazz dance and and become an asshole for a little bit. That'd be there funny. was there was a brief part um, that I think like gestured at that. And it was him 
being angry and he was thinking to himself that it was felt like it was beyond his control like something was like growing inside of him that was and i was like that's kind of that's kind of fun like this this thing mm-hmm. this evil thing that he has is is influencing him but it's it's too subtle if that is indeed yeah planned the whole time right i i for me it was more it's more that like his outbursts are too real for me and like they're like how he's made hermione cry three times in this book so far Mm -hmm. and like that's just like like the the few times that i have done it me saying something like snapping at someone or yelling or whatever and making them cry is like the just the worst feeling i i have to recover for like weeks if i i feel awful if i ever make anyone cry and like just this idea that harry has been doing it multiple times with these weird outbursts i just can't relate (laughs) to him every time they interact this and and like she is even saying every time like can you please stop like please like please stop treating me like this and he's like oh sorry Yeah. yeah i would just i would just fucking die i can't i couldn't deal with that like that's just me being a big old wuss, but like I just I just can't relate to this thing where Harry keeps doing this over and over again and has to be reminded to stop. It's exhausting to read, honestly. I, yeah. I really I there is very occasionally this book hits on like a good brooding atmosphere that I really do appreciate, but the fatigue of it overall and feeling like it's so inconsistent and just kind of gives you a little bit of whiplash is uh, a, yeah. a bit it's a bit rocky. I would say. And this this chapter really, like, I think just really, really is, is emblematic of that whole thing, right? It's like, I really like all the fun, whimsical classroom parts. Do not understand what this very serious emotional ending is trying to do. Right? So like, it's, it's so it's, weird. It's... it's like every time the plot needs to move forward, all the characters just have to jump so far out of character to, to get it, like, yeah. rolling again. It's yeah. really... I don't know why the plot wasn't a little bit better thought through. Well, I think we should probably take a break and come back because we've we've got to dive into this into this book a little bit more with some uh, commentary from the era. This might be the worst thing we're ever going to read on this podcast. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> oh, uh, we'll be back. Welcome back. I'd like to ask you and the audience a question. Sure. Do I have to answer for both? Uh, no, no. This is this is just. <laughs> I I just want your answer, but, but okay, I'm sure, sure. I'm sure, I would love some posts from the from the audience as an answer as well. Mm-hmm. Where were you uh, on November second, two thousand four? Uh... I don't know. Do, uh, do I know what day of the week it was? Because I guess I was probably 14. So uh, perhaps I... perhaps in class. Yeah. Uh, we, let's see. What happened on this day? It was a Tuesday. So hopefully in class. Yeah. 
Oh, and it was right before the election, too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, it was right before the election. Halo 2 was a week away from release. That's what I remember about November 2nd, 2004. Oh, hell yeah. One week away from from playing Halo 2 on, on the Xbox. Um, but yeah, this this was a, a time uh, of, of paranoia and uh, of fear and frustration with the Bush administration and <laughs> of writing opinion pieces. Uh, we have a very special treat this week. Uh, we have an article from 2004 from MuggleNet, which uh, bills itself as the world's number one Harry Potter fan site, called, uh, and I am very, very sorry for what we are about to read, but given our observations on the story this week, it was too good to pass up. The Department of Mysteries, Osama bin Voldemort and George W. Fudge. Um, this article has activated my, it's like all along the watchtower I have activated as a Cylon. <laughs> like th- this. Oh, that was in two, that was airing in 2004. I'm pretty sure. Oh, Battlestar Galactica. That's that much more topical than I meant. Well, not topical, but, uh, good, good timing, uh, there. But, um, this article, I went through, we went, we found this and I went through a bit of a roller coaster. My first impulse was we have to read this on the show. My second impulse is we can't read this on the show. <laughs> and my third was we have to read this on the show. Yeah, uh, but you, I ha- I have been activated by some key phrases in this in this piece um uh that have have forcibly transported me back to 2004 for sure. <laughs> it is it is super powerful. Um, I think this is like kind of uh, an important piece because I can think of nothing better um, to encapsulate kind of like the reason we originally made this podcast. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like this is it. This is like central to, to our thesis here. Absolutely. Uh, and, and it's mostly like, I think this, this piece lays so clear the futility of both talking about media in this way and also like the futility of this version of like liberal politics yes absolutely uh let's get into it shall we we've we've been been dancing around this we we've got to start it this is osama bin voldemort and george w fudge Part of the brilliance of Joe Rowling is the way she ties the characters and events of her fantasy world into their counterparts in our world. Our world is capitalized. <laughs> I know that world. That's our world. The one That's the one we're in. That's Earth. In this essay, I will compare some of her characters to real people who bear some striking similarities to them. <sighs> starting with a in this essay is such a power move by the way that's like <laughs> that's like something i would you would get like an immediate f on in like seventh grade At yeah the time, i mean i think when this came out I, I would have uh, been whatever class i was in i probably would have got an f for that yeah at the time of this writing on Friday, October 29th, Osama bin Laden has re- just released a new video to the world. The U.S. presidential election of 2004 is three days away, and nobody knows which way it will go. By the time you read this, the result will be known, and perhaps, 
bin Laden may have been captured. Even then, however, these comparisons will remain. Yes, really yes, they like, will. I really like that optimistic bin Laden may have been captured line. He he may have been captured, but this article will still exist. Ooh. Osama equals Voldemort. Well, duh. Who else would he You be? can't just say, well, duh. You can't. <laughs> he is a seemingly all-powerful being who strikes fear in the hearts of millions. He is enigmatic, created by specific forces present in the world he grew up in and empowered by later circumstances. I, you know, those specific <laughs> forces, later circumstances, that's, you know, it goes without saying what those are. <laughs> Especially because this book, this this was written before Half Blood Prince came out, so we actually just don't know at this <laughs> at this point. Voldemort could just be absolutely nothing. Uh, we no one no one knew at this point. Just as Voldemort was shaped by his mother's death and his father's abandonment, Osama was shaped by his personal <laughs> struggle between Western pleasures and Islamic discipline. This was the part where I was like, we can't read this. We cannot, we cannot do this. Oh my god. As Voldemort Suffer. exploited opportunities in a wizard culture that he was not ready to fight him, so Osama achieved his greatest success in Afghanistan where the Russians paid no attention to him. Just like Voldemort, Osama continues to run free because the man charged with catching him has tried to pretend he is not there. And just like Voldemort, Osama has seemingly come out of nowhere to shock the world again, as if to say, surprise, I'm back, or boo. I don't know where to start with this. <sighs> it is a lot. Like, there are... The thing is, is that this, as hilarious as, like, the details in this article are, I, d I don't think, looking back on this book, that this is that ridiculous a read. Not because the story is good and it is a metaphor, but because the paranoia that is present in Order of the Phoenix is so similar to the paranoia that writers like this were going through at this time, right? Like, mm -hmm uh there 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 is kind of an uncomfortable connection between like the way the book talks about voldemort and the way fudge refuses to acknowledge voldemort and like like hermione really just seems like she's like oh, we got it why aren't we over they're getting him guy like like you know it's it, it's almost accidental like I, I'm, I'm sure it is accidental but it's just like such a product of like that era i guess yeah media really kind of went through it oh at yeah this time oh my god in it like like in a in a big big way remember god remember that fucking west wing episode where they <laughs> were like the, the the school kids come for a field trip and like the the white house goes on lockdown and they have to spend an entire episode explaining middle east politics to these kids in very aaron sorkin-y terms that are not super great like that there is a lot of very special episodes of shows in this yeah. time yeah shall we continue al-qaeda equals death eaters consider their ways period al-qaeda <laughs> is made up out of men fiercely loyal to their leader as are the death eaters al-qaeda strikes without warning in places you would never expect like the death eaters both have powerful rich members who finance their activities the malfoys equals the bin Sauds, anyone 
Both are made up of a mixture of ideological fanatics and bloody opportunistic criminals, both seeking their own goals under the same banner. Both have their agents in among ordinary society, hiding in plain sight. Both have suffered setbacks, which seem to most people like a total defeat, but which prove to have almost no effect on their activities. It is as if Joe Rowling is ripping her stories from today's headlines. <laughs> Ripped from the headlines, indeed. These are like close to interesting political reads on stuff, but they they really... Uh... They, t- they take quite the narrative leap. Yes. Or the, the, the idea that media criticism is 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 just connecting the literal dots as to which real thing does this fantasy thing represent like there there is a definitely a a a a case to be made for like yeah harry potter is about like the intersection between government corruption and terrorism right like that's a sure that's an essay i could see someone writing and and being maybe okay um this this like weird thing where it's just like actually they literally equal this real thing that is happening right yeah now harry potter is isn't an al- it's not an allegory no. it just isn't no it's not an allegory uh not not a direct one anyway it's it's this i just sorry i just like looked down at the next paragraph i have to read and i felt <laughs> like physically winded yeah Bush equals fudge. In the English language, to fudge is to stretch the truth or to completely ignore it. This is what George W. Bush does. In fact, people used to say some things about Richard Nixon, which also could be applied to Bush. Such as, how do you know when he is lying? A, his lips are moving. And, question, which of his words are untrue? All of them, including and and the. Just some real good good sloganeering in this that really helps <laughs> indeed I understand. bush is like the wizard of oz in a way trying to misdirect us telling us to pay no attention to the man behind the curtain so bush is fudge and also the wizard of oz and also, also richard Nick- nixon also richard nixon <laughs> all the same guy <clears throat> uh although i'm not sure the man behind the curtain isn't dick cheney but he definitely what? tries to distract us from our real problems Wait, he's he is, also Dick Cheney? He's also Dick Cheney. Uh, he is just like Cornelius Fudge. Minister, wait, Cornelius Fudge is... Who's like Cornelius Fudge? Bush or Fudge? This is a real roller coaster of a paragraph. <laughs> he is just like Cornelius Fudge, Minister of Magic, who has done his best to focus people's contempt on that crazy old coot Dumbledore, the attention-seeking Harry Potter, etc. Anything but the real menace at large. In the same way, okay, now this is, this is the, this is the most incredible, like, uh, almost their criticism that I thought really leapt out at me on this one. Mm-hmm. In the same way, Bush tries to convince us that Saddam Hussein was a threat to the United States, that the Iraqis love us, that everything in Iraq is all nice and sweet now, at least where U.S. troops are in control, and that John Kerry is an evil flip-flopper who wants to destroy our country. I much prefer the Potterverse. At least those villains aren't real. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. This article is is peak. I don't support the war in uh in Iraq, but I do support the war in Afghanistan. 100% it is. Yes. Which is which is the 
prevailing shitty centrist liberal uh tactic from like this era of of commentary but fudge will be sorry i just wanted to say that the phrase john Kerry is an evil flip-flopper is is my silent activation phrase that was what that's what did it for me i just like (laughs) it i I, i'm activated by that Uh, there's nothing more 2004 to me than that um i i have i i know what your actual activation song is Hmm. no no you can't oh my god (laughs) oh i forgot about this fucking video i'm quitting the podcast Why? Because you've been activated? <laughs> yes, I, I have to go on my mission. <laughs> Jib jab. God. Good that God. That was a time. That was a classic. Uh, Dick Cheney equals Umbridge. Well, they're both short and fat. He, he, he. Yeah, he, he, he is just right in there, isn't it? <laughs> he, he, he is right there. <laughs> But really, Dick Cheney is America's umbrage for several good reasons. First, he is supposedly second in command, but is really the power behind the throne, as I think umbrage will prove to be. Some some fun little speculation in there mm. that was not true. Yeah. Second, right. he is a determinedly evil old man who has manipulated his way into power behind other more prominent figures. Okay. <laughs> Third, he is a fanatic ideologue who is manipulating a somewhat clueless miscreant who is nowhere near him (laughs) in terms of competence, but who has a much better public image. Fourth, he is totally ruthless and will use any means to get his way. Fifth, he seems to have no concern about how he is perceived by others. I could go on, but I have to finish this sometime. Slight smiley face. This feels so quaint to me. Uh, you know, this isn't a politics podcast, but considering like where we are currently in the year 2019, I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm, I'm remembering all of those, like the Bushisms stuff. Like uh-huh. everyone just liked to like do a little, do a little laugh at the, the dumb thing George W. Bush said. Uh, and I feel like that's what this is kind of kind of pointing toward um then it seems it seems very quaint yeah it's really it's really quaint to think about how um the most outrageous thing that that bush did that everyone made fun of was saying uh nuclear wrong and then i think i feel like we get that like at least three times a day at this point and yeah it, it really it's really something you know uh also, the the, the very uh, this also has that very um, uh, liberal idea at the time that it was like Dick Cheney was really evil and George W. Bush was just quote unquote stupid, right? Yeah, which pretty sure Bush mm, was evil too. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Let's not. I mean, I guess he's also one, probably stupid, but yeah, yeah, you can be both. Yeah, God, the rehabilitation of George W. Good God, that pisses me the fuck off. It's a lot. He paints pictures of dogs now. It's really cute. He gave he gave Michelle Obama one of them Werther's original. I don't know what voice I'm doing there, but 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 that's that's you. That's what that's that's what everyone who does that sounds like. <laughs> I think this next one is my favorite. This one is nutty. 
This one's powerful. Bill O'Reilly equals Rita Skeeter. If you don't know about Bill O'Reilly, <laughs> just if you don't know, who, who you didn't know. know? Who didn't know who the fuck Bill O'Reilly was in 2004? Uh, he is a TV host who has been a strong supporter of George W. Bush. He does this by ridiculing Bush's critics' opponents, uh, critics and opponents. He, this is the same thing Rita Skeeter did to Harry in Goblet of Fire, and just as Rita said. Her and just as Rita said, her employer, the Daily Prophet, exists to sell itself. So O'Reilly's employer, the Fox Television Network, exists for the same reason. But I won't say Fox equals the Daily Prophet. That's too easy. Is it too easy? That one, that out of all of these, that one seems like maybe the closest. Although I guess it's more like the Daily Mail, but still. Yeah, this um, this whole piece seems to really gloss over um the fact that it's applying american politics here yes yeah yeah it's it's like you can you can make like i said there there's a case to be made for all of these probably but they are these are these are not one-to-one equal i'm sorry if anyone can hear it there is a sounds like a like a recycling truck fell over outside my house i don't think that's what actually happened but it sure sounds like it i can't hear it okay uh sinclair broadcasting equals the daily prophet not fox news sinclair broadcasting is a tv company that blatantly violates its obligation to serve the public without prejudice instead they run propaganda programs as news and refuse. okay do you what is what is sinclair do you remember this at all this is one i don't remember yeah yeah but uh, this is um especially in the news actually like really recently i know that i think that it people were really turned on to this uh because i think john oliver did a segment on it i'm hoping oh. i'm thinking of the right thing but they they own uh a majority percentage of local news in this country oh okay so, i've somehow gone without ever <laughs> hearing about or i'm sure i heard about it at the time i just didn't remember this being a big deal in 2004 yeah. Yeah, it goes around uh, more recently now because they run uh, TV spots that they require. So, so they like own local news networks and you can watch uh, like you can pull up like YouTube videos of local newscasters reading the same uh, uh, like broadcasts <coughs> that, that are handed down from Sinclair. Oh, and they're like a conservative. Okay. You know? That I do remember. Okay, so yeah, I, I've seen yeah they're that i've seen that i didn't realize that was sinclair got it uh according to wikipedia they also own the wrestling promotion ring of honor i don't know if i don't know about that (laughs) i don't know anything about wrestling but they own they own some wrestling uh this activated my uh my brain when i read this Uh because this line about sinclair broadcasting is a tv company that blatantly violates its obligation to serve the public without prejudice I just instantly read that in the voice of the fucking character from uh, from the newsroom. Oh, sure. This is this is just newsroom dialogue. We're, yeah. We're 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 not the we're not the number one newspaper in the Wizarding World, but we sure used to be. Okay, let's see. What do we what do we got here? Uh, the only reason they have not had to pay massive fines or be shut down entirely is that they have been protected by a Bush appointee. TV in America is regulated by the FCC, and the man in charge of the FCC is Michael Powell. Oh, okay, this is all coming back to me. Mm-hmm. This is this is a, this is a thing I remember. 
If that last name sounds familiar, it should. He is the son of Colin Powell, former Army General and current Secretary of State. Hopefully our new president. Oh, no, that's so depressing. <laughs> our new president uh, will appoint an FCC chairman who will enforce the law. Oh, 2004, our new president. Oh, no, this is so sad. That really sets us up perfectly for this next. Actually, I said that Bill O'Reilly the Skeeter was my favorite, but this might be in that it is such a time capsule. Oh, God. I'm so this here for is this. Dark. This is dark. John Kerry equals Dumbledore. <laughs> I will not for a minute say that Carrie is a nice old kind savior who will make everything all sweet and nice. He is a politician just like any other, and I am sure if he wins the election within a year, the same people who voted for him will hate his guts, but I am voting for him anyway. No, John Carrie is like Dumbledore because he is the voice of truth flying in the face of all the lies. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> He has, been so powerful. For, he has been saying for over a year that America's invasion of Iraq was a mistake. Crime is how I would... Yes, please. For Okay, I'm glad they have this editorial thing in here, but, but, but <laughs> this... Fuck, I forgot that Carrie's whole thing was that it was a mistake. Not that, a mistake. like, war is bad. Uh, and that the real danger is still out there. Namely, Osama bin... See, we should be in Afghanistan. Not Iraq. We, we've got to go to war somewhere else where the other guy is. And as we've seen in the past 24 hours, he was right, because I guess Osama bin Laden made a video in a cave. Right, uh, yeah. Also, like Dumbledore, Carrie has been vilified, denounced, and ridiculed. Everything except proven <laughs> wrong. That the Bushies cannot do. Fuck. Oh. Uh, are you ready to have to read this about Biden uh, for the rest of the year? Ouch. Ouch. That's going to be it. This is going to be. That's what. Honestly, this morning I was fucking on one. When I saw that he had, he had like announced that he was actually running for president. I just, I felt I had to like walk around and do a little, do a little shake and, and, and and shadow boxing. I was so pissed off. Like Jesus Christ. I think that, I think that the mission that this article awakened in me is that I have to, have to uh, start spreading that Joe Biden is a flip flopper an evil flip-flopper <laughs> well he did uh he he, he... he's gonna tell a very a very mean joke but i'm not going to I'm, i i i will i will i will stand tall and not tell a cruel <laughs> joke harry equals dot 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 question mark i had to throw this in because i knew it would be the one comparison everyone would want to see who is harry potter in capitalized our world <laughs> The fact is, I don't think there is one. Harry will be the true savior of all humanity at the end of book seven, and I hope and pray that we do not need one. I hope things never get that bad, but consider what Harry does. He loves his friends, he is brave in the face of opposition, and he always keeps his sense of humor, and everything is just better because he is here. If anyone in our world equals Harry Potter, it must be... Joe Rowling. What a powerful Oof. piece. What a powerful piece. This is so dark. Yeah, my monitor is vibrating from having this open for too long. I just there's so much here. I The more things change, the more they stay the same. That's that's what I find so funny about this. When I when I like did the Google search to find this article again, I found so many pictures that were uh uh like 
Steve Bannon or Trump photoshopped as Umbridge and stuff. And I'm just like, this is this is still a lot of people's only like frame of reference for politics. And it's it hurts. It hurts. Yeah, politics and media somehow both. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, it, it, it's it's it, it's all things to all people. Uh, it's 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 kind of scary. Honestly, there's there are more than one of these articles too this i think was the the first one that jumped out at me just because it was on MuggleNet, which means that it you know got a decent amount of traffic back in the day i just yes the uh, world's number one harry potter fan site that's right it is it uh, it, it has changed its um ui from what i remember it being in, in yeah. you know, 2005 um uh, but i would say that in their modernization effort it just kind of looks fake does it look fake to you it looks like a website from a movie it it looks like it looks like Jason Bourne would use this website to like find information about his target or something. Uh, Jason Bourne learning about politics. <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's been he's had amnesia for so long. He has to like figure out. Okay, who, okay, I've read Harry Potter. I don't know anything about <laughs> politics. Who 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 is Voldemort? Oh, he's Osama bin Laden. Okay, got it. Ah. <sighs> This is so weird to me. Like the, this, at the time that this article came out, like this, this, I, I would have been fourteen, which is like around the age when I guess you probably start noticing politics for the first right. time. And this yeah. is so just emblematic of that discussion that was being had in two thousand four. Yeah. Well, it's just I this this conjures up such strong memories, specifically for me, just of the like, like oh, I I. I uh, I don't support the war in Iraq, but I do support the war in Afghanistan thing, which is just such a bizarre position to look back on uh, the like the weird, yeah. the really weird attempt. And like like that, that always felt like such a uh, as as always a failed attempt to like reach across the aisle thing. It's like, see, I, I sort of agree with you. I think one of the wars is good, right? Like that was it was just so futile and disgusting um uh do you want to know do you want to know a fun fact about me from 2004 re yes. politics yeah i was in i was in the young democrats club from Ooh. 2005 to 2008 i don't know if i did all of my high school years in that but i i was in that and so that's that's a then that's a fun I don't. Thing. I don't think that we had one of those at our school. I I I went to school in a very uh, conservative area, so there was there was none of that. I don't think we had a young Republicans club even. I think it was just the young Democrats. It was like five people. It was not a big class. It was like it was more of just an excuse to hang out with a cool teacher because it was run by one of my favorite teachers. So it was like cool. I get to hang out every Thursday after class and and goof off in this. Uh, this uh extracurricular thing so so that was that was fun but i definitely not consider myself a young democrat anymore hanging out Um, with the young democrats talking about how we should invade afghanistan oh yeah well yeah we okay look we'll (laughs) we'll we'll meet them halfway we'll do one war we'll do one war uh you know it's your your eyes are bigger than your stomach you don't need to order two burgers same thing with wars you just need one war and you'll be fine sure sure you can ha- you can have another one if you're still hungry afterwards but but don't don't order two yeah that's that's just gonna be too much and you're gonna waste food oh, i gotta say we we pre-read this article uh for the show um 
and it knocked the wind out of me the first time and i kind of thought that i was going to be immune but it really just kind of has taken it out of me <laughs> no, once yeah, again it's, it's st- i'm i'm like scrolling up and down in it right now and it's st- still stuff is like leaping out at me still i'm like ah ooh, huh. oh no yeah Cheney, ah uh uh just a when are those guys gonna die parody 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 can't can't sue me for that everybody just dies wondering. yeah every, yeah it's you can't you can't get mad at us for saying <laughs> for for asking when when dick cheney and george w bush are gonna die it's going to happen just it has you to. know it has to eventually right uh before or after kissinger who knows parody <laughs> well I think we need to put this horrible thing behind us and take it to the close. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. You can check us out on, or check them out on Bandcamp. You can't check us out on Bandcamp, although I've kind of wondered if, if, if it would be possible to put episodes up on there. But no, check Cheshire Moon out on Bandcamp. Check us out on Patreon. Uh, we have so many good bonus episodes. We have some real good stuff recently with uh, meeting Jimmy Fallon and finding uh, uh, just a lot of things out about shoes (laughs) and ourselves. It's, it's a wild ride. Um, And Liz, what are we going to read next week? Uh, We're going to read chapter 16, which is called in the hogshead. Ooh, We're going to a bar. We're going to a bar. That sounds great to me. Well, I'm excited to read that. I'm also excited to read to you this week's Way Umbridge Could Die. Hell yeah. Lock her in a room with the Weasley twins. Ignore the sounds and explosions and stay well away from the door. Are they killers? Yeah. Uh, I have a few questions about this one. Uh, the comment here is, aw, that one's a bit harsh. The twins are going to have so much fun. That's dark. I don't like that at all. Are, they, are the twins sadists? Are, are they, yeah, are they, are they bad guys from Dexter? What's happening here? <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I need to cleanse my mind of that, so I will probably go read another book. Please read another book. Mama is just a cat in disguise.